guys, welcome back. You're listening to Your Brain Uncovered with me, your host, Ayatara Bain. Today, I'm joined by an exquisite guest, speech and language therapist, Helena Malik. Hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> Not only does she hold a master's degree in speech and language therapy, but she has also worked in various private clinics in France with dyslexic patients. Now, that's a quite rich background to help us unravel the gifts alongside the knots and bolts of a dyslexic mind. So, yeah, thank you for, for joining us. Um, can you kindly um, briefly define what dyslexia is? Okay, so in a very few words, dyslexia is a neurodevelopmental uh, disease, uh, disorder. Uh, so what neuro, uh, neurodevelopmental mean uh, is that the disorder comes from the brain hmm. and it comes in the early age. Okay. So you are basically born with a, neuro, a neurodevelopmental disorder. Oh wow! And then it gets developed within your, the years, like uh, when like you start your academics, and that you obviously you're struggling with reading and writing. Okay, so that's when it, the symptoms begin to show. Yes. All right. Amazing. So I want to take this opportunity to speak a little about. Um, the neuroscience of dyslexia more in depth. So yeah, so we have this outer la- layer of our brain called the cortex and we all know that we have, or maybe we don't know, uh, we have those little things called mini columns, okay? And these mini columns serve as the telephone poles, if, uh, if I may say. Now what strings together on these mini columns are accents. Now people with autism, for example, they have accents that are extremely closely located in proximity to each other. And as a result, their accent lengths are very, very, very short. And as a result, they can do these incredibly detailed and highly specific patterns of behavior. Now with dyslexics on the other side of the spectrum, they have many columns that are very, very far apart. And as a result, the axon length is significantly longer and this leads to, you know, some significant cognitive advantages. They have this um, ability to look at a situation and identify similar patterns of info and then make sense out of it in a way that people don't really see it. So that's quite fascinating. Um, can you please uh, tell me, how, how do you diagnose a dyslexic patient? Okay. So to diagnose a dyslexic patient, you need obviously to go through a complete assessment, mm. all right? Uh, and you're gonna assess uh, his reading and spelling skills, but not only, because not all bad readers are dyslexic. Oh, okay, I get it. Okay. okay? So you can be a bad reader for many reasons. Mm. Dyslexic. Dyslexic people are one of them, but you can be also like a bad reader because you don't have the appropriate educational uh, background or because you are not really exposed to reading and writing. You can be a bad reader because you have a language disorder. So if okay. you do not master the language, then it's going to be difficult for you to learn to read. Mm. And obviously you can have also a dyslexia. So we need to uh, evaluate uh, the, the kids or the adults' results and you compare their scores to the norm. Okay, okay? got it. And then you're gonna assess uh, how many words can he read in a minute mm. or in two minutes. Alright. Alright, in a text. Uh, and you're comparing as well like a text that makes sense. 
Okay, of and course. then you have a text that does not make sense. Like they are words. All right. And you have like appropriate sentences, like the grammar is respected, but it means literally not nothing. So it's like saying green apple horseshoe. No, you would have. It would be like appropriate sentences. Like, okay. The green apple is going on a boat, and suddenly. The <laughs> whatever, it's just like random. I get things, it. Oh, I get it. It doesn't yeah. make any sense, okay? And the, the client knows that's mm. easy. He's aware you, of it. Yes. Like you're gonna read that text, but it doesn't make sense, so you like don't overwhelm yourself. <laughs> you don't understand, it is completely okay. wrong. Okay. Uh, then you have lists of words, okay? Mm. So, and you, you time, you, you time the, the reading, okay? okay. Uh, of Words that are, uh, I'm looking for my words, I mean, they're coming in French in my brain. Uh, <laughs> like words that are transparent. All right. Okay, like the, the consonants and the vowels, like you don't need to know the words to be able to, to read it. Like, for example, uh, table. Okay. It is transparent. Yeah. Like the T make T. It's very every, clear. It's very clear. Yeah. However, uh, some words as um, I'm looking for my word. Uh, okay, I don't have. Is one. it something um, with an X or a Z? Would that make make it more difficult to read? No, for it's you? like words that you need to know, so you know that okay, this letter usually makes that sound, but in that specific word, it makes another sound. Ah, uh, okay, okay. okay I, I, get, I get what you mean. I get okay. what you mean. All right. And then you have words that are like actually non-words. So it's just letters. Such as? Such as... Ah? Uh? No, like... Uh, Beitel. No, Beitel doesn't work. Be, uh, Beitelit. Alright. Alright. Okay. So it respects the, the letters like it looks like a real word, but, but it's, it's not. not okay, yeah. because in that way you have to force the decoding. Like the, the client has, cannot rely on his language knowledge. Okay. So he cannot guess what the word is. He has to decode. Okay, that letter make that sound, and that letter make that sound. So all together, that would be patent or whatever I say. Okay? okay, and you time it as well, and you look at the number of mistakes and what kind of mistakes the, the client is doing. All right. All right. So it, it depends on the timing, the accuracy, and the number of mistakes. Yes. All right, we got it. Uh, then you have many others. Uh, oh, really? Do I need to go through? <laughs> um, are there standardized tests? Yes, they are all standardized tests. Okay, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then you need to assess the phonological awareness. I don't know if you know about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, what type of test do you use for that? Uh, it depends on the language that you're testing, but basically it would be blending uh, blending sounds. Okay. So, for example, table and te, e, b, l. Yeah. And the opposite. Like, if I'm telling you te, e, b, l, then you have to tell me stable. All right. Okay. You need also to judge if two words are rhyming or not. So if I'm telling you um, table and Google, okay, does it rhyme or not? Ah. If I'm telling you mattress and pineapple, okay, does it rhyme or not? Okay. No, I feel like I'm sitting for the test. So I'm just like, does it or does it not? 
so it's that kind of um, skills about identifying the sounds and like process them. Okay? okay, it's like sounds process. I get it. Okay. And is there is there a difference so like between um, dyslexia, dysgraphia, um, even uh, yeah, are there differences between these learning differences? Yes, all of them are different from one another, but you can combine like you can be diagnosed with dyslexia and dysgraphia oh, and so this and that. Yes, okay. so you have comorbidity among those. Mm. Okay, and the comorbidity is actually quite high. Oh wow. Okay, <laughs> that's unfortunate. Yes. Oh well. Uh, and how long does therapy last for? Uh, so it's long-term therapy. Oh, okay. okay. Is it over years? Yes, it is over years. Mm. Um, because basically, what the therapy is doing is that we are rewiring the neurons. Okay. Ah. Because because it's neurobiological. Yes. Your your brain is mapped in a way that it's difficult to process the. Uh, the words when that's, you're reading that's them. That's so fascinating. So is it like there's an interplay of neuroplasticity here? Yes. Okay. So neuroplasticity plays a big role in therapy and this is because you have neuroplasticity that you can do therapy. Okay. Alright, so we are rewiring the brain mm-hmm. and to rewire a brain you need frequency and you need intensity. Okay. Okay, so the length of the therapy would highly depend as well on how the patient is motivated because okay. if he's not motivated obviously the therapy will be kind of useless because mm. he's not gonna commit okay get it. okay yeah but if the patient commits and that he like doing his like daily exercises and re- and everything then you have very good results but also it depends on the condition itself okay like, whether it's severe or like moderate or whatever mm. So you have like different components that you need to take into consideration to know how long it's going to take. But it's over month or year. So there's, okay, so it's never uh, shorter than a couple of months or years and it's yeah. very subjective and it goes back to the individual, right? Yes, exactly. All right. Are there specifically, um, if I may ask, gender differences? So are boys more likely to be dyslexic yes. girls? I think it's one girl for four boys. Oh, why? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a crazy like it's crazy. Uh, is is there is there any biological underpinning for that? This is genetics. It's genetics. Yes. Okay. Oh well, I'm so I'm so I feel bad. <laughs> okay, so we've begun this episode shedding light on the gifts of being dyslexic and the ways we can you know um, approach therapy. Um, how however, can you like help us understand what are the social consequences of being dyslexic okay, in everyday so life? The social dis- the consequences are mostly very bad self-esteem. Oh. Because basically, like you know, in like our societies, you you as a kid, your like your worth and your value are mostly based on how good you're doing at school. That's very true. You're right. Yeah. And they have brains that do not allow them to be good readers and good spellers. And they keep like fighting and like working hard, and they can see that yes. it's easy for everyone, but it's like they cannot do it. They feel like an outlier. Yes. Okay. Like, they feel completely different, and they feel that it's because they are bad or because like they're just like struggling with what we are asking them to do. So basically, you know this uh, metaphor of like ask a fish to climb the tree. 
<laughs> that be more like the fish cannot do that and then exactly. the fish like it's like like for dyslexic it's like being a fish and every day we're asking you to climb the tree and we're like okay try again try again and try again why can't you do it try again focus pay attention that's the ugly and climb truth. the tree yeah and there are just fishes and they're like i cannot do it and they're like but we need you to climb the tree <laughs> so it's it's a lot of frustrations and self-doubts and everything so this is for the kids so okay. also like during the therapy we have like what we call like patient education okay like we explain to the child why it is difficult and why it's not because of them and we explain them that they have a condition that makes them different and like we have like a lot, a lot of metaphors and everything for for the child to understand that he's not done because most of the most of them think that they are done Unfortunately. and that this is not and this is why they cannot succeed yeah so this is for the kids for the adults uh mostly the social consequence is that they are re- like they are they can read okay, okay but they hate it so they will do anything that they can to avoid reading. not to read so these are like the adults that would like never open a book mm. that would not type emails and ask the secretary to do it like they would implement a lot of avoidance strategies not to read not to write would like intervention strategies for adults be less useful than ones for children since neuroplasticity comes into play you have still neuroplasticity as an adult so it's is it the same uh depending on like where is the struggle you know like because okay. like we base the therapy based on the assessment oh all okay? right all right so it goes so back it goes back on like the individual okay? okay and you have things that you would do with a kid that you would not do with an adult mm-hmm. and opposite and there are also like things that you can afford to both of them of of course i mean they i i did read a little that um they dyslexics do have this innate intelligence it's just that we they acquire the right system to you know direct them towards it like i i've heard that albert einstein um john lennon jim carrey mm-hmm. those were all dyslexic yes and um actually in fact like 40% of self-made millionaires are dyslexic it, it's crazy it's just that um their brain functions differently that's it at the end of the day and can you shed light to like some of the cognitive advantages they have that we don't is there something that makes them special okay so about that it's a very controversial uh, topic in the science uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so i'm glad i'm glad you're talking about it because like we can as you said like shed light on the controversial thing and that okay so basically you have a condition dyslexia of but course. it will show in many different ways depending mm-hmm. on the individual okay, okay. And even like when you're connecting studies, most of the time when you're looking at the at the at the population that is being diagnosed, that is being like studied, mm. you cannot like diagnose everything and you of cannot course. evaluate everything. And sometimes like you're looking at the population mm. that like within the population, all the individual are very different. Like okay. you would have ones with high language skills and some others with low language skills you would have some with the um, high memory span and some others with low memory span okay. but they are all together and they are all studied as a one okay I so you're it. missing like the the differences 
but there are huge one another, individual differences. Yes, of course. And so you cannot conduct a conclusion of because I'm dyslexic, I am creative. Because I'm ah. dyslexic, <laughs> I am smarter than the other. Right. Because I'm dyslexic, I will do this or that. Because also, like you can be dyslexic with a mental disability. You can be dyslexic are with you, are like, they high potential. To, are they more prone to no, mental it's like no, they're not no. Really. Okay, there's so no you can be also like dyslexic with a high IQ. Oh, okay. So that's when Albert Einstein comes yes, into play. Basically, yes. Okay, I get it. I mean, wow, that's truly fascinating. <laughs> Thank you. That's one way to end the episode. Um, I think. I hit you with a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're very useful though. Um, I truly hope that this episode can help people, you know, dealing with dyslexia to access the, you know, the inner in, innate intelligence that they have within yes. themselves. And yeah. And to, and to access like appropriate care for them. Exactly. Like, solution exists. Hopefully, yeah, you're you're one clear example <laughs> of someone who's giving help. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, well, I, I'm I'm just saying that um, I I provided your contact details. If, all right, if that's all right. Please. Alongside a link that will enable people to book an appointment with you. Please. In okay. case anyone uh, listening or a loved one is, um, you know, going through and experiencing you know learning difficulties and dyslexia. Um, so yeah, I, I'd like to end that. Well, today um, there's this problem-facing societies so yeah some of the most creative innovative minds are atrophying and that's all result because of a system that insists upon you know the most archaic form of educational medium which is plain text and as you said you can't force a fish to climb a tree so yes. hopefully uh, new strategies are going to come into play and people like you are more to exist <laughs> anyways um thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to thank you for you know interview you yeah. thank you so much um anyways guys thank you for listening and um all the way till the end have a beautiful day uh, day um and yeah goodbye